I am your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is the Patreon's only special secret duper covert episode that only those of you who give us money get access to. That's true, Robbie. And uh, we're going to talk about not an episode of Unsolved Mysteries today, although it is a topic rife with Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Um, We're going to talk about cryptids, a.k.a. creatures Creatures that are suspected to exist, exist, but which we have very little proof proof of. So this this is going to be encompassing... Uh, Yeti, um, although I, I don't know how much time I want to spend talking about Yeti. I feel like that's a pretty well-worn, uh, you know, beast, beast that, uh, may or may not exist, basically. It's going to be the topic of this podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, so you're thinking more of the, uh, more obscure cryptids, right? Yeah, I mean, I really just feel like Yeti, Big, big Feet have, have been really... Well, in all honesty, we probably have, like, a full Big Feet episode that we could just do on its own. It's such a huge topic. Yeah, we, we could if we chose to do so. Uh, the way I'm you gonna... say that makes me <laughs> think that you're, you're suggesting we are not going to be doing so. Um, we, Big, we'll see. Big Feet is a really hot topic on, on our forums, Crystal. Yeah, I wonder if it's because it's a fun meme or if people are really interested in Yeti type creatures. Maybe we should do an episode on yet on big feet memes. <laughs> Let's we'll find our our favorite big feet memes. Um actually what I'm going to use as a guide today to for our discussion is uh many years ago in the late 80s early 1990s Time Life published a series of books called Mysteries of the Unknown. Northern Texas. An unidentified flying object is reported by at least a dozen people. Although there were no storms in the area, it's dismissed as lightning. Now, Time Life Books announces an important new library, Mysteries of the Unknown, a series that explores the most controversial phenomena of our time and tells you everything that can be known. There are uh, 20-some-odd volumes of this. You actually recently, for Christmas, sent me some very excellent volumes of this Time Life series. Um, This one in particular, though. Yes? No, I was just going to say, only the finest finest things I find at grassroots books or, or other... Use bookstores. Well, do, do you? <laughs> I'm so excited to have them, and I really want to get the full collection. Um, I, you sent me, a, I think, about three or four. Three or four. Um, yeah. I was interested also, one of the books I remember from my childhood we had in my home was called uh, Mysterious Creatures. It was one yes. of the volumes. And I found this book endlessly fascinating. It is sort of the inspiration of why I wanted to do a cryptid's uh patreon only um when i ordered this book it was in used condition mm-hmm. and on the very first page in gold <laughs> glitter pen there's an entry dated from christmas day 2001 and the entry is joe the mysteries of the world have delighted us both hope you enjoy learning a few more things love Anne. It was a gift, uh, possibly for uh, between a couple. Yeah, then. which makes me oh, sad so... because now I've ended up with it. 
so that's well krista we, we're all gonna die sometime so um <laughs> yeah I, I, are you assuming death or are you assuming divorce because i assumed divorce and this got well donated. divorce probably yeah they're, they're both pr- pr- pretty probable possibilities um okay robbie before i get too far because uh, uh, you know that's a mystery within a mystery in this book before mm-hmm. i get too far into this this uh book i'm gonna be pulling some highlights that i enjoy from it um do you have any okay. cryptids that really fascinated you growing up or things that you were you know, into? When, I, when when i was a kid you know i was really big into ufos and ghosts and uh, you know tangentially i you know i i was interested in uh the you know I, I guess proportionally, I was not as interested in like Loch Ness monster and Bigfeet as I was for ghosts and UFOs. Mm-hmm. That was more, yeah. That was just more like, well, that's what's on tonight's episode of Sightings. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess I wasn't as big a cryptids kid as you were. Um, I think. But mm-hmm. I do the book you're holding, like my father and his wife had it so during the summers i would spend with them uh they had like they had like five or six of the the time life ones Mm -hmm. and that was one of them so i've i i i've looked i've flipped through that enough that i'll have an idea what you're talking about as we go through here there's 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 a part about a story about like a fam uh, a father and a son fighting off a giant squid or something right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to talk about that yeah okay uh you know, when I when I open this book, the very first thing that they jump to is sort of the most obvious thing, which is dragons. <laughs> Naturally, uh, we, we, with all the dragon sightings we've had in recent years, why why wouldn't it be um, dragons? Yeah, well, I think it's more the time life books. You know, they they try to take an even-handed historical approach to examining some of these mysteries. And um, they're talking about the dragon. One of the things they talk about is uh, the dragon is a piece of, is a cryptid, is a piece of folklore that appears both in Western mythology throughout the ages, but also um, in Chinese uh, folklore. Um, Obviously the Mm -hmm. dragon in Western mythology is sort of more evil or destructive in in Chinese folklore. They're often um, benign or sort of a lucky animal. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen Mulan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, or you have the luck dragon from the never ending story, I guess. Oh, good point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the things I always found very interesting about talking about dragons is sort of, they're so ubiquitous and, and, folklore from all over the world and i remember um i think i was discussing this with my mom when i was a kid i'm like well they must have been real at some point right if everyone (laughs) and uh my mom was just kind of like well maybe they were leftover dinosaurs well certainly if you go to answers in genesis.com they will explain that the dinosaurs were hunted to extinction by saint george Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And that's why there. The, that's why the Earth's only five thousand years old. Uh huh. Yeah. I just think that's neat. Yeah, you know, well, it is interesting. Like thinking about, I mean, the accounts we have from people from a couple thousand years ago is, you know, like obviously 
them trying to describe stuff it's the same when when people try to like infer about any ufo observations like sometimes you'll see a renaissance painting i think this this is covered in another one of those time life books where there'll there'll be some depiction of like Mm -hmm. a craft in the Mm -hmm. in in the sky in the background and you're like yep yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i think there's actually a painting by da vinci that you're referring Mm -hmm. to where there's some kind of helicopter looking thing in the background now the Yes, exactly. Now, of course, my first instinct is just to think that that's Da Vinci was just like, you know, came up with something and he's like, oh, I'll just put that there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it is possible for people to have an imagination about things they've never seen before. (laughs) What? Are you telling me that people in the 1500s could depict things that they hadn't seen? Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, as a kid, one of the things that really scared the shit out of me was mm-hmm. on page 10 of this Time Life book. Oh, boy. And I'll put a picture up on our uh, on our Twitter feed here. Um, but it's called The Man Face Manticore. Have you ever heard of a manticore, Robbie? Well, um, other than in the context of playing Dungeons and Dragons, no. Okay. Um at the risk of being sued by time life books i'm gonna i'm gonna read the short paragraph here that explains what the manticore is i don't think they're paying attention Uh, they probably don't exist anymore okay reputed to prowl the jungles of india the fearsome manticore has had the body of a lion the face of a man and the stinging tail of a scorpion its huge jaws however were unique they held three rows of razor sharp teeth upper and lower that interlocked like the teeth of a comb when the beast closed its mouth the teeth could slash nearly anything to ribbons, and the manticore was said to relish on feasting on humans. The monster was dangerous from afar as well. With its strangly, strangely segmented tail, it could fire lethal stingers that traveled as much as 100 feet. And and truly, the uh, picture with this is grotesque. I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly the picture you're depicting. It, mm-hmm. it sort of has this weird quasi-human face yeah. with these, like, it's like big bulging eyes, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. huge, huge eyes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that mouth full of teeth. And he kind of has this uh, strange grin on his face. Yeah. It reminds, it, it reminds me of, um, if anybody watched the terror, which was a mini series on AMC that came out last year. Mm, it, yeah. it re- well, you should, if you have the chance. Um, it's, uh, reminds me sort of the monster design they did for the Toonbok, which was sort of a man-faced polar bear thing. Mm, which also strange. would have been a good thing for me to bring up in this episode, since I read yes. about that a lot recently. Um, lastly, before we... So, t- we, yes? I'm just curious, as a child, did you make try to, f- to, to turn the pages oh, yeah. so that, like... The two yes. were, were together, and you wouldn't have to see it. Oh man, yeah, that I would is get awesome. past this thing as fast as possible. It's to this, it's completely unnerving. Yeah, and I'll put it, I'll put it up on Twitter. Um, I want to talk about my favorite thing in this, in this creature in this book, though. Before we get to the um, giant squid business, mm-hmm. uh, okay. <laughs> which is like a third of this book is this giant squid story. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight pages. It's or like something. one part Nessie, one part Bigfoot, one part giant squid yeah uh okay the baleful basilisk when's the last time you heard about a basilisk outside of dungeons and dragons (laughs) 
I think people who had Dungeons and Dragons may have informed this uh, book a little bit. Yeah. Um, of all the legendary monsters, none was deadlier than the Basilisk or Cockatrice. <gasps> oh, yes. I know what you're talking about, too. Uh-huh. This, well, the Manticore picture really freaked me out. The Basilisk picture is sick as hell. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways... <laughs> Part serpent, part rooster. It came from an egg laid by a seven-year-old cock during the time that Sirius was high in the heavens. No explanation as to who Sirius is, but Sirius Radio? Who knows? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, the egg was spherical and covered by a thick membrane, and sometimes it was hatched by a toad who sat on it for nine years. This elaborate gestation produced a creature whose breath could scorch the earth and whose glance was lethal even to itself. Accordingly, anyone who sought to slay the basilisk was wise to carry a mirror. What what good does the mirror do? Well, I mean, you make it look at it's like Medusa. You make it look at itself. And then, oh, and okay, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then it dies because it saw itself. Damn. What do you think about the the male chicken giving birth to a, give, laying an egg? What do you think about that part of it? I think I think it's very progressive. <laughs> We just recorded a normal episode before starting this where I caused you to bury your face in your hands. And I feel like I've just accomplished that a second time in, in one day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, the the creature that you've you've mentioned, like, to me looks like it would be very difficult to harvest it for K- KFC. Um but yeah, uh, well, not just the fact that it, it comes from a male, but it's kind of like it has a. I didn't realize because I didn't. Oftentimes, when I was looking through these books, I didn't actually read anything. I just flipped through, mm-hmm. stared at the pictures. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah, but like the life cycle you've described seems like it would be a very convoluted means of of producing these creatures. They must have been pretty rare. I yeah, I would assume with a. Nine, like a nine-year-old for... cock, and then a seven-year-old gestation period. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's, it's probably pretty rare. Fortunately, we don't have a bunch of basilisks running around Southern California. Um, Robbie, I'm getting to the part of the book where it's all about sea creatures, and um, you know, I agree with you. As a child, I would just flip through this, but when you actually start reading the text. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're pretty skeptical. So what they're doing is they're presenting like here's some things throughout history, here's some stories that we have, but then they do a little like investigative reporting. So okay, they're, they're not just throwing shit at the wall here. They're actually so trying it's to the, do a little science. So it's the opposite of like the first season of Unsolved yes. Mysteries. <laughs> yeah, they're you know they're taking anthropological, they're taking historical, they're taking a scientific biological approach mm-hmm. to discussing these things. But then it's also sprinkled in with um you know sort of urban legends and folklore yeah uh so it's not total trash it's actually pretty interesting um robbie since i'm in the chapter about sea creatures did you ever have sexual feelings towards mermaids discuss they depict those in that book right um yeah all kinds of mermaids all styles uh he's like a okay sensual so, mermaid there's a weird japanese mermaid that is not mermaid. very sexy yeah there's a yeah. merman that kind of looks like a friar 
<laughs> he does look like a friar, doesn't he? Um, there's yeah, I and mean, there's all there's all kinds of things going on here. Okay, Chris, so I'm going to confess something. Uh-huh. So when I'd be visiting my father and his wife uh-huh. during those summers, uh-huh. the, the two of them liked to go on a walk together. That uh-huh. would usually last about half an hour to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I would like, because uh, uh, usually when I'd look through that book with the monsters that, that were there, when it came to that central mermaid, I'd flip past it really quickly so no one would see me looking at it. Mm-hmm. But when they were gone, I would, like, take it out, and I would actually stare at it for, for long stretches of time, pretty fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. She, she, I, I seem to recall her being very, very alluring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mermaids were said to lure men with the promise of forbidden pleasures, only to devour them or hold them prisoner at the bottom of the sea. Okay, I'm not going to say anything, because I feel like what I was thinking would really would result in you burying your face in your hands. Um, yeah, I uh, I think, like, I think a, most guys hmm. um, uh, probably have, have a thing for mermaids. Here's where I get hung up. Yeah, I, I realize there's some practical issues. Well, involved. wouldn't it make more sense if the top half was the fish half? Well, no, that's that's only if you're like thinking about just strictly like intercourse. But like you know, what else would really... I be thinking about? <laughs> um, having a nice conversation. You know, oh, you want to talk to her about her life under the sea? Wouldn't it be really fascinating? Yeah, I'd want to know. And really, like, I mean, you know, being like, being able to like hold her hands or something would oh, be way, nice. way more. But she probably uh, smells <laughs> like fish, though. Um, that's true. Hmm. That's true. I, I, uh, so like, is she warm-blooded or cold-blooded? Mm. Like. If you, like, cut off the, the, the tail part, are people going to be, like, is it going to be indistinguishable if you cook it up in a restaurant? Questions remain. <laughs> the book doesn't answer any of those questions? God damn it. Uh, no, um, specifically the one, what does the fishtail cook up like? It does not answer that one. Okay. But uh, something to consider. Yes? Yes, yes. So, you know what actually lives under the sea is a big giant squid that I am actually terrified of. With good reason. And in that book, they that story they tell with all the different uh, painted paint paintings mm-hmm. of the, the family fighting off that squid, mm-hmm. it, it, it's pretty intense. I'm, well, I'll read it. I just first I want to discuss my personal uh, phobia of, um, what do you call them, squid and octopus? Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Um, I don't like them. I think they are uh, too intelligent and that they yeah. are plotting their takeover under the sea of the land. Wow, that's pretty intense. I take it you're on Team Sperm Whale then. Yes. <laughs> when I go to the... Gobble those things up! When I go to the aquarium... Which I like to do. I went to three aquariums last year. Okay, you guys. Okay. I try to run by the octopus as fast as possible. 
I don't want to see it. Wow. I don't want to see it. So you, you're probably not a fan of that movie Deep Rising. I don't think I've ever seen it. And yeah, if, it's, it's, ab- if it's about a squid, I definitely didn't see it. It's not very good. Uh, but and, and but even if you put aside any of the giant octopus squid-like creature thing, mm-hmm. you know, just set all that aside, it has uh, something in it that, like, if it was just in another movie, would probably, like, creep you out based off what we've just discussed here. Mm-hmm. Which is there's a, a part where the main character is talking about like one because they're they're arguing about whether to like try to sit say in the uh, safe room or not, mm-hmm. and like the guy the guy's like one day my I don't know uncle or dad or something uh, he put a goldfish into a wine bottle and then he then he shoved a cork into it and he threw it to an octopus. And no more than a minute had passed by, and that octopus had gotten that cork out and had reached in there and grabbed that goldfish. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I feel like kind of is like a mini uh, description of your sentiments about octopus and squids. Yeah, they can—they're they... very intelligent. They can use tools. They can squeeze into tiny spaces, specifically octopus. Um, Mm-hmm. They uh, have uh, octopus have camouflage abilities. They're yeah. Robbie. They're the perfect soldier. So we need to start militarizing the octopuses, is what you're saying. Well, we need to start preparing for them to militarize against us. We won't see it coming. They'll be coming from under the sea. Under the, well, you see, that's why I need to have that conversation with that mermaid, so she can. But how are you going to know what side she's on? She could be team team uh, sea base takeover. You know, the thing is, where though, is a mermaid's like, loyalties? Uh, well, I guess that song is called "Under the Sea" for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Mm. But maybe I can do a whole Kirk thing and mm-hmm. I'll seduce her into joining our side. Mm-hmm. I think this is a worthwhile use of your time. <laughs> you better believe it is. Hey, do you want me to read you the story about the giant squid? Read me the story about the giant squid. It was just before dawn on October 26th, 1873. The air was chilly and damp. And the harbor at St. John's on the southeastern tip of the island of Newfoundland was blanketed with fog. Two seasoned fishermen, Daniel Squires and Theophilus Picot, dressed warmly in heavy woolen sweaters and oilskins, were setting out to net herring in a nearby cove. Picot's 12-year-old son, Tom, eager to learn his father's trade, joined them at the dock. The trio settled themselves in a dory, a small flat-bottomed boat about 20 feet long, and rowed a short distance out into Conception Bay to set their nets. Soon the fishermen noticed what they thought was a raft of seaweed, but as the boat drew nearer, they realized the large, shapeless mass was not at all what it seemed. The object's surface was slick and purplish-red in color, although the fishermen speculated that the calmly floating form might be the body of some sea creature, apparently no one considered just then that they might be gazing at a volatile, giant squid. One of the men poked at the strange mound with a boat hook. Suddenly, the mass erupted, whipping a circular formation of eight long, thick, sucker-studded arms out of the water and through the air. Exposed at the center was a long, parrot-like beak and eyes the size of dinner plates. 
A pair of snake-like tentacles, twice the length of the squid's arms, darted through the darted through the churning sea towards the dory. Within seconds, the giant squid wrapped its prey in the muscular grip of a tentacle and was yanking the little boat boat towards its open mouth. Is this unintentionally erotic, or is it me? Uh, you know, I was not. Uh, I guess I well, like I said, I never really read through <laughs> through the descriptions of any of, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> of these things. Um, I mean, this is kind of this the way this is written is kind of like bodice ripping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more. I'll continue. We'll see like where the, this giant, goes. The, the giant squid is dressed in like an 18th century yeah. <laughs> Marie Antoinette dress. The giant squid's flowing locks. <laughs> tumbled gently down its back as its breath quickened. Oh, wait, that's not in the book. I'm just making that up. Okay. The Duke's men are everywhere. We must be quick, he said. Okay. That's not in the book, you guys. But I think Robbie and I probably have a career elsewhere. Okay. Uh, wrapping a sinuous arm around the gunwale Gunwale? I thought we were in a dory. Okay. The giant squid began pulling the small craft lower into the sea. As water rushed into their boat, the desperate fishermen flailed at the monster with their oars and backed out water with a giant with a gallon bucket. Then young Tom Picot snatched up a hatchet. Chopping furiously, he managed to sever the arm and te- tentacle that co- coiled around the dory. At that, the monster quickly retreated, trailing great clouds of inky fluid. So the squid finished? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to everyone. <laughs> I don't think this was not premeditated, right, Chris? No, it wasn't at all. I just realized yeah. when I was reading it, I was, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of hot. <laughs> There's more. The fisherman hastily rowed for the shore with the squid's amputated arm and tentacles still clinging to the boat. Safely back in port, the trio displayed the irrefutable evidence of their encounter. The tentacle, obviously only a portion of its total length, stretched 19 feet. The squid's arm, unfortunately, was carried off by hungry dogs before it could be measured. Of course, you know, actually, I think I did read the last few sentences of that story when I was a kid. I was mm-hmm. like, come on! Yeah. Um, you know, that's what's really interesting, though. Up until, I think, in the last 10, 15 years, it was sort of assumed this idea of the giant squid was uh, elaborated, if not made up. Uh, that but something they're real. Could be the size. Yeah, they're absolutely real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a was a good place to wrap this up on. I remember several years ago it being on Yahoo News when I think it was Japanese scientists uh, got some deep sea recordings of mm-hmm. uh, giant squid, and they are as big as you know. We've had these tales from um, uh, seafaring cultures for hundreds of years about giant squid-like creatures, and and in fact that is. Um, I think of all the things in that book is the only one that's has been proven to be it absolutely exists. Right, right. Which is a shame because I really, uh, we really wish mermaids existed. Well, yeah, because well, we have to form an alliance now. Right, right. We 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 gotta we gotta we gotta turn other undersea creatures onto against the the squids and octopuses, so they're having to fight a two front war. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Robbie, is there any other sort of, like, cryptid that you wish were real besides mermaids? Like, just for fun? Uh... Um... 
You know, I, I, I guess technically it's it's kind of fun if like big feet are harassing campers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really one for camping, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess if I mean if I had to choose uh-huh. to make one real, what's what's the name of that? The, what was the name of that lizard or or that sea creature in that lake that? turned out to just be a otter or something oh we watched um, it in an Okecho- episode okachobi okachobi yeah, like o- yeah i think o- okachobi no shit that's in new york it's in the it's in the canadian lake yeah yeah let's make that real okay i don't see any harm in that yeah yeah it seems like it'd be a relatively benign thing personally i would have gone with like a unicorn or a pegasus <gasps> I mean, fl- we, flying horse. We could, we could do that. Oh, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I, ch- I changed my answer. I want, I want, do I want. Do you want a Pegasus? Wanna, uh, well, what attributes would the unicorn have? I don't know. What do Pegasus they usually come don't? with? Well, I mean, they have that horn. But what is? But what do they do though? Are they like? Could, what's the could, saying could, about unicorns? They um. They, I don't know, something, something magic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, do I guess, they like lead you to treasure? I mean, what do they do? I, I guess sort of, um, trot around in meadows and look. Uh, okay, yeah, a Pegasus. I'll, I'll go with a Pegasus. Well, you can't pick that. I already picked. I'm what? kidding. I'm it's kidding. An, I'm kidding. It's an exclusive. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, if if we have picks here, I'm going with mermaid. Okay. But what if so, mermaids are like awful, like they were in Cabin in the Woods, where they're like horrifying monsters with big teeth that are trying to eat you? Did you like Cabin in the Woods? I did a lot. Yeah, I have. A, I bought yeah, a copy you, of it. Yeah, you know, I've encountered a lot of people who don't like it, but like, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I like to describe it as uh, remember that mo- uh, th- those movies, The Expendables, the ones that Sylvester Stallone is in with all the other action people. Mm-hmm. I like to describe Cabin in the Woods. It's like it's the horror movie version of that. Like if mm-hmm. if you want, because how how many of us have yearned to like see like mashups or all sorts of creatures like these. Get uh, and now I realize I might be ruining the movie for people who haven't seen it. Um, go, uh, but yeah, I can just yeah. cut that out. <laughs> um, so Robbie, uh, is there anyone we want to thank at the end of our little rumpers only, Patreon only pod here? I thought you didn't want to think. No, uh, you convinced me. I think it's a good idea, and there aren't yeah. there aren't so many of them now. Pat. <laughs> we yeah. need to be concerned about that sort of thing. I I like how when I brought that idea up to you, mm-hmm. you were like, yeah. But I mean, you didn't literally say this, but sort of the attitude was that. Um, well, you know, if we have thousands of people subscribing <laughs> every every week, yeah. Well, we'll uh, cross that we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, I want to thank um, you know the folks who are literally keeping this thing going uh, on a month to month basis. So, okay, Alyssa, 
Jen, Nicole, Sean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your Patreon support. Uh, Alyssa's out there doing all kinds of stuff for us. Nicole's been here since the beginning. Sean's repping us in uh, Australia. We love to see it. Um, tell your... And Jen likes it when I describe how I fall into ditches. At Have work. you fallen into any <laughs> ditches recently, Robbie? Uh, God. Um, hate to disappoint on in that regards. I, I did kind of back into a fence with a truck, though. There's there's some noticeable but not huge dent in the side, and I'm kind of thinking I, I have like three weeks mm -hmm. left. Maybe I can just just like end the season and he won't notice until months later. Maybe you should stop drinking before you go to work. <laughs> you can't tell me when I've had enough. Uh, you know what I've had enough is recording this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for listening. I, I'm sure when you subscribe to the Patreon, you, you weren't expecting uh, Crystal to describe a fear of uh, squids and octopuses and Robbie to uh, talk about uh, mermaid um, affinities. Yep. But here we are. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Um, and if you're here, you know how to get a hold of us. So we will see you next time. Bye-bye.